Welcome to the basement. Welcome to the basement. What up, though? Yo, growing up, I only ever had two constants in my life. My granddad's basement and my granddad's basement. There's something you can ride to, something you can vibe to, something you can chill to, something you can smoke to, something that'll make you think, something that'll make you feel good. I'm just a dude from a trailer park trying to figure out the universe. How deep you want to go? 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 What is good, everybody? Welcome to the basement. I've been sitting back as I. Hold on, let me grab my latte. Oh, got me a little, got me a little iced latte. It's heating up here. I think it's ninety today. Um, something like that. The truck said ninety something. Um, it's usually pretty accurate. I had uh, my old car two cars ago. It was that motherfucker was off. I mean, it was close, I guess, but like five to eight degrees off any given day, and whatever that'll get you close, but. Like it wasn't necessarily 125, but it would be like 118 some of those days. So just, uh, uh, I don't know what I started talking about the truck for. Oh, it's getting hot, getting hot, uh, down here in Tucson. And when I think about, I sit back, I think about this podcast and really, really minimally go over like what's going on in the world. I want this to be some type of getaway. While still staying grounded to reality and perspectives, societal viewpoints, uh, forming people's perspectives, growing the mind, uh, gaining some knowledge along the way as we just continue to grow, be students of life, you know, then apply that knowledge so as to say that we have wisdom, right? So as I just get older, you know, things I've picked up along the way, uh, it's use of use of firearms. All right. That's something that I'm very into. I've, I've kind of you know, sprinkled a little bit in here and there, but I am a full fledged like lover. I love shit that goes boom. I mean, to put it simple, like I remember I was out shooting one time. Uh, there's some there's a, this explosive you can get. You used to be able to get. I don't know if you can still get it, but it's called Tannerite. And you mix this compound together and shoot it. The motherfucker would blow up. I remember one time we blew up some Tannerite inside a microwave. And I had never, I was unfamiliar with what this was at the time. And I haven't really dealt with it since. It's extremely dangerous. I mean, it's a, it might be illegal at this point, And it probably should be. <laughs> you don't need to have that. Tie. It's You mix this compound together and you shoot at it and it blows up. I'm sure people were getting maimed, catching shrapnel. But this is one of the things that made me realize I was different from other people. This is in my early 20s out in the desert in Tucson, Arizona with my boy Big T and uh, my man Matt Conover. He's a... Uh, He's like a sheriff or highway patrol something in, uh, in Maryland. He, he's in law enforcement. Just a good dude. Good dude. I was in charge of, at the time, I was an E-4 in the Air Force. And I was in charge of, for whatever reason, like the bathroom cleaning schedule. Like I was a, the highest ranking E-4. So I you know made all the E-1s and E-2s. I made the cleaning schedule, you know, just specifics for that we worked in an aircraft hangar we pull the airplane in the hangar rip it apart put it back together 
there and it needed to be cleaned from time to time. So I, for some reason, I got put in charge of the cleaning schedule. And Matt Conover like was on the list, and I found out he was older than me. I was like 24, 23 or twenty four, something like that, and found out he was twenty six. And like in the military. That's old as fuck to be an E1 or E2. And he just joined late. Just is what it is. He joined at like 25. And it just happens from time to time. And he was all cool with it. And then I found out he was older than me. I was like, hey, bro. I heard somebody told me you're like 26. He's like, yeah. I was like, all right, man. Well, I'm sorry. You don't ever have to do like the cleanup details. This is for like the 18, 19 year olds. If you don't know much about the military or my perspective on the military, it's a lot of the misguided youth. A lot of people with similar backgrounds go into that life who will sign their life away. Uh, you join that lifestyle because you have a lack of guidance and a lot of people, not everybody, a lot of people are going nowhere. And it's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to die out on the streets anyways, one way or another or end up in jail. So let me just sign my life away in, in the military. And uh, that generally happens at a younger age, fresh out of high school. No, not somebody whose brain is already fully formed as a grown ass man with a family and kids. Uh, nonetheless, I was like, hey, man, you, you know, you're not going to be on the schedule anymore. But anyways, we we're out in the desert shooting and it might have been a different time. I don't know. Uh, a lot of a lot of times out shooting in the desert. And we blew up some Tannerite in this microwave inside inside a microwave. The motherfucker went I mean, this explosion was big and it was not that far away. It was like 20 yards away, maybe 25. It's pretty close to blow something up that's going to send shrapnel flying, right? And sure enough, like my immediate reaction, this, and I noticed it like right as it was happening, it was like, I hear the big boom, slow motion, but my first step was towards, towards the boom. And everybody else was like kind of ducking down I was like damn and I didn't I didn't say anything out loud I just it took in all my surroundings and I was like oh shit don't run towards that <laughs> not don't run towards danger but don't run towards an explosion that's sending shrapnel flying your way you know what's happening like but it was just like oh fuck I need to go see what's up with that and that was that was always just interesting seed that planted in my mind that really began me starting to wrap my head around being a little bit different than other people in in high tension situations anyways and then to go back and think of other things uh, I saved a life prior to that. I saved a life after that, years after that. Uh, I'm going to get into those stories a, a totally other time. But just as I think about guns, I bought my first pistol, my first personal firearm when I was 21. I might have been 22. I might have been 23. I don't know. Early 20s, I bought my first one. It was a Snub Nose 38 Special, a Taurus M85. Years later, sold it at a gun show. But buying, selling, trading at gun shows, coming up on deals, getting, I've invested a lot of time into firearms and knowledge of firearms and and use of firearms and just a highly competent shooter. The first time I shot, I was probably, I don't know, 14, maybe 15, I think 14 out with my dad. My dad had a couple pistols and he, you know, went hunting a few times in his life. So there's, you know, firearms in the house. And I remember before my dad was not around, I was like four or five years old, you know, he showed me his guns and I was, he's like, yeah, you know, just kind of show me, just show me them, you know, Hey, this is, these are guns. You know, you gotta be careful with these. Just gave me my very first 
taste of of what that life is like, just having a firearm around and how safe you need to be with such a thing. And it, it just grew. It really grew from there. And then the first time I shot was, you know, a decade later. I'm like 14 with my dad. And my mom really, she did not like guns. She didn't like the portrayal of guns. I had squirt guns. And then I had, at one time I had a gun. It looked like a a real uh, a Beretta 92, real common. Like it, it was in every movie. In Die Hard, that's what uh, Bruce Willis carries or John McClane carries. If you watch the Lethal Weapons movies, uh, Mel Gibson's character, that's uh, what he carries. Pretty much every every movie with a gun throughout the 80s and into the 90s. Uh, and I even saw one recently. Somebody had a, a Beretta uh, in there, but real, real common. And I don't remember where I started talking about a Ber- Beretta like that specifically. Uh but you, but you know, oh, you know what it looks like. You know what it looks like, even if you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, you've seen this firearm before. And I go out and I'm shooting this. And I shoot it and it's just kind of I'm hitting target off, you know, initial shot. I just understand how to use and hold and shoot a pistol. And I'm very, very, I'm a marksman with a pistol. We'll leave it at that. And that, that went on and that just grew. And I, I've had dozens dozens of guns throughout my life since I bought my first one that were mine registered to me that I've you know a lot of them I still have I've sold a lot I've traded traded up traded down sold upgraded sold guns in order to upgrade other guns uh it's really what I dig and I think about you know it's, it's a Friday we'll make it a firearm Friday and when I think about just what's going on in the Ukraine just a country just kind of just chilling minding their business and big bad bullies next door come in and they don't even knock they just kick in the door and decide that they're going to take all your shit um it's an interesting look at society what can happen in certain places if you're i don't want to say ill-equipped because they they didn't need to be equipped for that but their citizens have rose up they've had Every Ukrainian citizen of fighting age, men, men and, and women as well, that were not in the Ukraine, came back to the Ukraine to try to even the playing field. And I don't know what y'all are seeing out there, what news sources y'all are watching, but I'm seeing the Ukrainian army. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Russia has air superiority and they're blowing some shit the fuck up. The Ukrainians are resisting this invasion and they're fucking up Russians. They got a lot of prisoners of war. They're beating the fuck out of a lot of these guys. They are they, they're killing a lot of their their top top generals. Uh, it's wild. And that just makes me think, what if that happened here? Right. What if some wild shit like that happened here, maybe in in 10 years, in 30 years? Are you prepared for that? Are, are, are you ready for that? Because we're seeing, right, we're, we're not, we're no different. We're all a humans, all right? We're all a humans, right? And something is happening to some of us, you know, on the other side of the world. So what if that, that it, we are not far removed from that. It's happening right now in real time. It's a travesty, all right? Vladimir Putin is a legitimate war criminal. They're blowing up everything civilian targets it's it's nuts it's wild but what if that happened here what if that happened to you what if you were displaced and were there when all this is going on what do you do what if you're a student there and decided to stay and fight right what's the situation so what does your firearm game look like uh so that's kind of what i wanted to break down uh if you're 
anti-gun. I mean, I don't know why you've been hanging out at this podcast for, for so long, because uh, I've peppered that in. I'm, I'm a military guy, uh, a war-minded, war-trained, grew up in unstable, uh, unsafe, you know, uncontrolled environments. And that had a lot to do with kind of forming my mentality on protection of self. Self-preservation uh, is key, is number one. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I mean, safety and security is uh, is number one. So when I break down kind of guns and what every household should have, I guess, firstly, I firmly believe one for every person in your household. All right. And if not, I understand that that might not be a possibility for some people. You might only have one for your household. I got a lot of friends, they just have one gun, one gun for their household, not trained or extremely, extremely mildly trained. And if that's the case, I just recommend one, go to your local gun store. Uh, talk the, the, the guys who work, guys and men and women who work in gun stores love talking about firearms and will talk at length. And I've never heard a bad education given. Uh, I mean, I kind of came into the gun game a little bit prepared, but have obtained a lot, a lot of good information from just guys at the counter overhearing conversations, or even if I have questions myself, which I do from time to time, less and less as time has gone on. And I haven't asked uh, too many questions outside of, well, no, I've, I ask questions a lot of times when I'm at the gun store. There's always, there's always knowledge there. All right, to obtain, and then you can apply that. And then, well, application of knowledge is what? That's wisdom. So, I got a lot of wisdom on firearms, but think about one for your household. Great. What one would that be? I think every household, every individual should have four firearms specifically. Uh, if you don't, you know, and you can only have one for your household because of where you live or because of your financial situation, uh, well, one, I recommend starting young, that being an early purchase in your life. Uh, oh, hold on. I wasn't done saying it. Get the knowledge from a gun store and also get on the YouTube and study, study firearms, study philosophy of use, study ballistics, study calibers. Okay. And I'm going to talk a little bit about some of that, but there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people who can better explain things than me at a lot more length and with video presentation. So you can understand a little bit better than just with, with, with the audio podcast at this time. But I would say, uh, if the number one, if you have to narrow, if I had to narrow it down to absolutely one on a novice firearm owner, one for the household, a 12 gauge shotgun, a 12 gauge pump action shotgun, um, cost effectiveness, very, very friendly on your pocketbook, uh, very devastating. Should you ever have an intruder in your household? And I'm speaking from the context of self-defense, like I said, self-preservation, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, safety and security. So self-defense and that slash home defense, okay? And then we'll take the conversation just a little bit further for overall defense, community defense. If you ever need to defend beyond the perimeters of your property, what does that look like? All right. And it's just it's a firearm Friday. I'm going to try to get in and get out with this real quick. I would like to make it a quick hitter. I don't think I'm going to drone on too long. But, you know, starting with a 12 gauge shotgun, I say pump action because I'm thinking you know, home defense. All right. If you're only looking for one one gun for self-defense, uh, 
a pistol, a handgun. But when I'm talking something for home defense that can extend to self-defense if you need to defend beyond your household, a 12-gauge shotgun. And I say pump action because, take a listen here. Let me, one second. Check this out, y'all. All right. Okay, you hear that? That's a 12-gauge pump-action shotgun. That's a Mossberg 500. This is my granddad's shotgun. All right, I found this in the basement. I got, I got off active duty Air Force, and I was just taking an inventory of what was going on in the house because I knew my granddad didn't have too many years left, and I was going to inherit this house and let me see what I'm getting into. All right, and as I'm perusing around the crib, I find a 12-gauge shotgun. I bring us, I say, Grandpa, I was just kind of looking around the basement, seeing what was going on down here, and uh, I found this, and he said, oh, yeah, I forgot that was down there. I'm like, you forgot your shotgun was down there? He's like, well, I've shot a lot of pheasants with that thing. I said, oh, all right, Grandpa, Um, well, it's just chilling in a Minnesota basement. Uh, can I restore this? I mean, the shotgun was easy, and he said, yeah, it was cool. So I restored the whole shotgun. I, I only replaced one part. Uh, from the original, uh, and it was the extractor, so the piece that strips the shotgun shell, which the shotgun bullet is called a shotgun shell. Uh, I, I replaced the extractor, so when you shoot, you pump the, you you shoot a, a gun, and then you, a pump shotgun, you cock it back, and that strips the old shell out, and then you move it forward, and that puts the new shell in. All right, so that's the only piece I, I, I exchanged was the, was the extractor. Uh, I swapped out the barrel. Uh, I, I put a different uh, tube on there. Um, but the original parts, I mean, I could put it back together to the original uh, stuff and it'd be all good. Um, but it, a Mossberg 500, just a basic. And you got a Remington 870. They're, they're, they're the flip side of, of the same coin. There's a couple other models out there um, as well. But I say that because that sound, all right, that, 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 click, click. all right, that's a deterrent. All right. If somebody were to come into my crib and I, you know, hey, what? And they hear that. They hear that right there. They're that alone might be enough to make somebody turn around and where you don't have to use lethal force. I don't ever want to be in the position where I'm forced to take somebody's life because they entered my house. But I am damn well prepared for such an instance. Uh, but 12 gauge shotgun, uh, and you have different loads. I, I keep, uh, you can get a turkey shot. That's a big three inch, big, big boom. Uh, but I like the idea of a, a double lot buck shot. Uh, I think, a, a, a a small stature individual can use a 12 gauge shotgun. Uh, if you're disabled, I mean, shot a different conversation. I'm talking for able-bodied individuals, two arms, two hands who can handle the, the blowback of a 12 gauge. Cause it is, it is something you need to practice train with and get used to the, how it feels when that thing goes boom. All right. So 20 gauge shotgun is a step below that. And you got a 410 gauge shotgun, a step below that, uh, all, all good options for home defense. All right. And now effective range, a shotgun's not really effective that far. Um, it's not supposed to be like, it's a kind of a close range weapon kicking indoors. Um, not really for inside vehicles, but 
you can hang it out. It, it, it just depends on the situation that you're in. But I would say that's number one. Uh, very versatile for people of different sizes, 12 gauge, 20 gauge, defend your home with a 12 gauge shotgun. All right. So that's my number, number one and arguable in this order, this order could be different from you, but I will stand on that. These are the four firearms every household should have, uh, at a minimum over time as you know, if you're able to do so, depending on your location and economic status. Uh, number two, I say a pistol. Okay. Uh, pistol, whether you keep that in the nightstand, in the safe, uh, whatever that looks like for your household, but, uh, you can get, you know, a pistol if somebody were to enter your household. Okay. You can get the type you can, and it's the middle of the night. You hear something rumbling around, dang, what's going on now? You can put a flashlight maybe on, on a pistol, you know, home defense, and just make sure you can see your target if you're shooting at and make sure you don't shoot somebody who's supposed to be in your house and maybe you were having a bad dream and mistook where you were or maybe you know your kid was is sneaking around uh sneaking out or sneaking back in from sneaking out or maybe just getting a little midnight snack all right and you might hear something going on in your house let's not be too hasty here so that's why i say go talk to your gun store guys watch youtube videos and go train Go train, get used to shooting, you know, and and we never know how we're going to react in a high pressure situation uh, until you're in a high pressure situation. OK, so but I say pistol high, you know, high capacity, uh, depending on where you live. I mean, if you're in an apartment building, this is a problem. I, I don't live in an apartment building. I'm speaking from somebody who's a homeowner. Uh, I'm not. I am worried about shooting through a wall. I've actually shot through a wall before. That was a. Uh, that's that's a horse of a different color. Um, I might have told that story on the podcast. If I haven't, I'll, I'll get into that later. I think I might have said that one on the on the last podcast, um, which tipped off you know gun safety, gun usage. But I've made I've hey I've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. But a pistol, uh, and I say nine millimeter. Uh, people argue this to death. I say nine millimeter because it's the most used round uh, in the world. If I, we ever are in a situation in which we need to defend just beyond the perimeter of just one intruder, we need to defend our city, uh, our block, our city, our, our state, our country, whatever that looks like, and you run out of ammunition, you have a high, the highest chance of picking up other nine millimeter rounds because it's the most issued and used round in the world. Uh, some people argue stopping power. I'm, I don't, I don't bite. I don't, I don't bite into that argument. Uh, stopping power, I think, is bullshit. You can. There's heavy load nine millimeters. There's light. I saw fifty. I don't want to get too into intricate firearm specifics. I saw very light, very very light. It's half as less more than half as light as the former lighter round. So uh, let me just talk numbers. 115 grain is the weight of a bullet, a nine millimeter bullet for years. That's all you could get. Now you can get 124 grain, 147 grain. I saw 135 grain home defense rounds uh, recently as well, but I also saw 50 grain. So just don't worry about the grain. That's just weights of bullets, but the, the number itself, like the bigger, the number, the heavier, the bullet, the smaller, the number, the lighter, the bullet. Uh, so you can load them up and it's not, you're not, it's a, it's a pistol. It's meant to take down a human. All right. In the event you're in an unfortunate circumstance in which you need to do that. Uh, it's not meant to take down a deer or a bear. You're just not gonna, you're not, that's not going to happen. So, but a, a pistol is my number two option. All right. Number three. And like I said, all these 
arguable what order what order you want to put them in, how you live your lifestyle, what kind of land you live on, what kind of house you live in, uh, where you live. Uh, so the order highly debatable. All right, I I, I don't the the actual the four weapons though. I'll stand on that. But thirdly, a hunting rifle. All right. If you're ever in a situation, food is scarce. All right. You need to go out and from a long range, like I'm right now, I'm looking at some mountains. I might need to get up on top of a mountain and try to search through a scope and find a, a javelina or a wild horse. A javelina. I don't know if I'd want to eat a javelina. They're like rats. Uh, anyways, a mountain lion, whatever, if I'm out hunting if there's ever a scarcity of food and there's there's conversation pieces going on right now in which we could be in a food shortage and within our lifetimes and I'm you know I'm under 40 so you know and that and not based on uh like society collapsing based on uh agriculture collapsing the soil there's an issue with soil which probably has a lot to do with population emissions uh pollutants things that are going into water supplies that come back around and soak into the soil so uh fertilizers just all all all, all kinds of things all kinds of things and all things so you know and i don't want to necessarily entertain that conversation scare tactics but there could possibly be a situation in which you need to hunt or you just are a hunter and you go hunt uh, uh, but a, a hunting rifle, something that you can take down a deer, um, depending on where you are, you know, you could get a, a bigger, I like a 30-06. So when I'm doing, you do, when I talk a hunting rifle, that's a bolt action, one shot at a time, uh, kind of bigger bullets to shoot deers. You can get really big ones to shoot bears, uh, wh- whatever that uh, may be in your area. Like there's there's horses around Tucson, wild horses, cows. Uh, 30-06 is a very, it's very versatile. You can load it up, you can load it down. Again, you can do a lot with it. It's a good hunting rifle. It's not like a sniper rifle. It's for hunting game. All right. Something you could put, get a little bit of distance on. All right. And then fourth, uh, a fighting rifle. Okay, so we're forever in the unfortunate circumstance in which you need to protect beyond the perimeter of your household. But even if that could be, you could have a, a, a fighting rifle, uh, an AR-15, an M-16, uh, an Israeli bullpup. Uh, uh, I don't want to get into like two specifics of like calibers and, and all of that, but the style, a high capacity uh, semi-automatic. So you think a pistol, right? You can put in, let's just, let's say, let's be California compliant. You got 10 rounds, you can shoot, pull the trigger 10 times. It's going to shoot 10 times. All right. Uh, same thing with a fighting rifle, a semi-automatic rifle. So you put 10 rounds in, you pull the trigger 10 times, it shoots 10 bullets. Uh, you know, you could do a rapid rate of fire and a, a fast moving bullet to take down your target, whether that's home defense or perimeter defense. Like that's what our military uses. Um, AR-15s, they call it, you know, it's an M16 or an M4. They got different titles for civilian variants. But if you're going into a place, you're kicking in a door or you're defending your household, you're coming from upstairs to downstairs and there's more than one perpetrator in your household, uh, pistol might not be enough to do it. So that's why I, I say you can reorder these however you want, depending on where you live. If I lived in an inner city and was of 
you know, decent economic status, but for whatever reason, you still live in an urban area um, based on just travel or, you know, cost of living. I, I don't know why people live where they want to live. That's that's their business. But you could find yourself with some riffraff where there's multiple home invaders trying to come in to your property or have come into your property and a pistol might not be as effective, all right, so maybe you need something a little bit bigger, a little bit more, has, has more uh, bullets in there that you can also control a little bit better. Uh, but those are the four. And again, order them whatever you want. So a, a shotgun, a pistol, uh, a large caliber hunting rifle, and a fighting rifle. Uh, those are the four, I think, four firearms I think every household should work towards having for your own safety and protection. I mean, I couldn't imagine not being well-armed, having a home invasion come, and I could have stopped it if I were armed. And I'm sitting back, I'm waiting three minutes, eight minutes, 20 minutes, 28, 29 minutes before police are able to respond due to location, due to any reason why somebody can't be there to help you right away. All right. So I think it's very, very important. Self-defense is very important to me uh, to be able to defend yourself with melee, hands, feet, uh, blunt objects and knives. All right. And up a level to to firearms. I think it's very important. Uh, home protection, uh, self-preservation, Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, safety and security. Um, on another note, so that's it. That's it on a firearm Friday for the gun, for the gun section. And I'm going to start working up out of here. Uh, we're going to get up out of here in a minute, but I'm real happy to announce the Hawks are back. I got Cooper's Hawks. So let me recap. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I bought my house in 2018. First year in the house, we had red tail Hawks nesting in the yard, in, a, in one of the trees in the backyard. I got like five or six trees around my yard, full mature trees, great for birds to, to kick it on and nest in. All right. Next year, red tail hawks don't come around. So I got to watch red tail hawks nest. Uh, the babies come, uh, grow, learn to fly, and then fly the coop, right? I watch them eating. They sit there, pet, 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 just, just, oh, it's beautiful watching a raptor. I get, I get to get nasty raptor action, all right? Those birds, the hawks are amazing to watch. So the second year, Cooper's Hawks. Third year, last year, Cooper's Hawks. Midway through the Cooper's Hawks uh, nesting, bighorn owls come in and kick them out the nest. It happened on like a Saturday night. So birds, uh, when it comes to raptors, like owls and hawks are just mortal enemies. There's some kind of some wicked videos on YouTube. But the... Uh, Cooper's hawks, they'll fuck up bighorn owls like in the daytime and at the nighttime, a bighorn owl will fuck up uh, Cooper's hawks or hawks in general. So it's Sunday afternoon and I, well, first, but prior to this, this is last year now, uh, we hear mating season, there's owls and there's, owl, there's been owls in the neighborhood the whole time we had hawks in the yard. Like we hear them, we hear them during mating season. It's really cool. It's a really beautiful sound. But then I hear it last year. 
they're loud as fuck very very close and like what's going on and uh, i see the go back i got a podcast like it's just called owls uh i don't know what episode it is 40 something uh 47 maybe not i I shouldn't have even said that i don't know what number it is but it's called owls um owls are out in the back tree and they're just mating i see both of them i see the mama i see the papa i'm like okay and then you know, a few days go by, it's a random Sunday afternoon, and I see, it's windy, and I see, like, a weird kind of feathers kind of flapping in the wind up in this nest, and I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, and then all of a sudden, these two adult Cooper's hawks are coming up, they land up on the tree, and they're, like, kind of squawking, squawking back and forth of the, of the big, at the bighorn owl, who had overtaken the nest, at the top of this tree, it's a pretty tall tree. It's probably a thirty foot tree, 25, 25 to thirty foot tree, and the very top of that tree is a, a hawk's nest. All right. Well, now it's an owl's nest. They kicked, and so when owls take over a hawk's nest, they kick the the adults out and they stomp on the eggs. Right. I'm like, damn. Okay. So be it. And uh, rewind to the year before that. There was four, I got a picture of it. I had four baby hawks. And then the day I took that picture, the next day I had three baby hawks. I think an owl snatched one of those baby hawks and they, and that was what limit, like they were scoping the area. They were, you know, just ready to take over that nest. The next mating season they do, they take over that nest. So I don't have hawks anymore. And I was pretty upset. If you remember at the time, because I mean, the Hawks, they did a great job of taking care of the yard. There's pack rats out here. I'm out in the desert. I live, we got things called washes. So we get these monsoon seasons that rolls through, through Tucson, really heavy rains. And those rains, they drain from the city into the washes. And as you can imagine, all kinds of stuff washes up in the wash. Coyotes just they pilgrimage through there. Rattlesnakes, all kinds of lizards. Uh, so you just see kind of the raptor birds uh, flying out. We got ravens, we got crows, we got owls, and we got hawks. And they all will fly over the the washes and see what's up. Uh, so there's you know a lot of shit kind of running around. It was really cool having the hawks around taking care of the yard. I would come in every day at sunset, and the hawks would be had just got done hunting and they'd be eaten as I pull in the driveway. And it was beautiful to watch like just that, that raptor action, that, that side of nature. All right. And the Hawks, they booted them out and the Hawks were really, really glorious to watch as well. They're so big and just, they're vicious though. Like that's the best way to describe it. Like they're big and they leave a mess and they don't give a fuck. Uh, so we had these three baby owls. I had my buddy, I was like, so just to be sure I had my buddy come over, uh, uh, random vet shout out, Brian Carpentier, uh, served with him. Uh, he came, he's still in Tucson. So he came through with his drone he had a big old joint. He's like, I brought the big one because you said it's owls. If it's the little one, they'll probably fuck it up. <laughs> so he flies a drone up there. Sure, shit, three eggs and a big mama owl chilling in the in the in the hawk's nest. And they go ahead, they grow, they fly the coop. Um, and then this year, I was like, I and I was thinking to myself, so owls they mate for life and they nest, quote unquote, for life. They nest near the same area. So the owls this year. I was like, I bet they don't nest here again. And sure shit, they're flying around. Mating season was lit. The hoots, like one of them, the the male would hoo, and the female would hoo hoo. 
like it was just and it's just beautiful beautiful mating calls and sounds for weeks weeks on end is really really cool to uh really cool to listen to and I, I was out in the hot tub it was like 5 a.m one morning i was just chilling and the mama flew kind of over my head and then within 30 seconds to a minute the daddy flew real he was real close i don't i'm not of the mindset they were swooping down to let me know that they were there i think you know it was just mating season and that's the route they were flying on because i was i don't think i even had the hot tub bubbles on i was just chilling real quiet and he swooped down and flew uh he could have been just you know giving a little warning and seeing what was going on uh because i'm usually not out in the hot tub at 5 a.m and you know i don't know how i will see but he probably saw like a hot spot like extra hot spot because a hot tub but with like a body in there like what's going on here but he swooped down real close within within three feet like it was pretty cool and it happened uh one time with the hawks too just randomly just flying by and that one he definitely didn't, or she, she, that hawk didn't know I was there. That motherfucker, as soon as he swooped next to me, put the brakes on and like turned away like, oh shit, what the fuck was that that I just got close to? Because they're, they fly, it's just interesting to, to get all the, all this raptor action around the crib. Uh, so anyways, now this year, so the owls, they didn't nest and I didn't think they would because it's, it's a hawk's nest. They're a bird that's a third the size of the owls. So the owl don't really fit in a hawk's nest, right? So I'm like, so they're around and they're still, I still hear them hoot hooting, you know, every day mating season's done, but they're around hunting. I hear them at night. I hear them in the morning, uh, but they didn't nest in my yard this year, which I'm grateful for. That said, we're out, we're getting the trees. We got some arborists coming by. We got to get some trees trimmed. I got, like I said, I got five, six trees in the yard, needed something to do with them. And as we're out with the arborists the other morning, I'd see a hawk flying in a weird like I under, I know the patterns of my yard and I understand the patterns of the raptors that are flying around as well. And it was different. Like I was like, what is this hawk doing? And I kind of peeked. I was like, oh, I looked at my wife. I thought the hawks are back. We got hawks again. And they moved to another tree in the backyard. So as we think about getting these trees trimmed, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to trim that one until the babies fly the coop. Uh, but I think they hatched. Uh, and it's really cool to have the hawks back in the yard. So that, that was all that to say that. All, all that to, to say the hawks are back in the yard. They're Cooper's hawks again. I'm excited. And they're, they're lower. They're pretty low this year. I mean, they're up, I mean, about 10 feet, but that's not not 30 feet, you know what I'm saying? So I'm hoping to get more opportunities to get hawk feathers. There's one cool thing I scooped up last year. I got owl feathers. I got one really big one, uh, like one okay one, and then like three or four baby ones. And then my homeboy, Alex Alvarez, shout out to the Alvarez Lending Group at Fairway Mortgage. If you're looking to buy or sell a house anywhere in Arizona or Texas, Holler at my man, uh, Alex Alvarez with the Alvarez Lending Group at Fairway Mortgage. Uh, he got you, but he has an owl that lives in his yard, and he ended up with uh, a big-ass feather. He gave that one to me uh, as well. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting some more hawk feathers. And as I speak about feathers, I found out, I didn't find out, somebody told me, maybe somebody can verify this, it's illegal to have a bald eagle feather. Uh, and I get, we can't go out and kill and hunt bald eagles, like that's that's 
fucked up. I mean, you, don't, you can't do that. I don't think you can do that to any bird. Birds of prey, it's illegal to uh, to kill, I believe. They're not endangered species, but uh, it's illegal, I believe. I believe it's my understanding. You can't just like just kill a bird of prey. Because I was so pissed off when the owls took out my hawk's nest. I wanted to make owl soup. Like, these motherfuckers kill my hawks. I'm, and they're keeping me up all damn night with this hoot hooting shit. I eventually got used to that. But anyways... Uh, that, 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 that's my story. That's my story. So guns and birds, man, I'm a weirdo. And I met, uh, before I get up out of here, I met, uh, if you ever seen like a bird, maybe you think it's a bird trainer or they're usually rehabbing a bird, but somebody with a leather glove and like a hawk or a falcon or an owl or an eagle. Uh, and they got like the leather, uh, head, I don't know what it's called, like a leather helmet on the bird and their eyes might be covered. So that's called a falconeer. That's the, the title of that. And I got a little a kid on my block. He's like 17. He's a falconeer. His name's Elliot. Uh, and I met a client. He's buying a house. And we're at the final walkthrough. It's the first time I met the dude. He's buying a house. We're at the end end of him buying a house. And I'm finally meeting him for the first time. We've talked a lot. But he's like, he goes, you got a falconeer neighbor? I was like, yeah, man. He's like, I'm a falconeer. I was like, right on, man. That's awesome. Let's talk about birds. He's like, no, there's less than a hundred in the state. You know how rare it is that you know two? I was like, yeah, man, I'm the shit. What can I say, man? Let's talk about birds. So uh, we ha- we hashed it out for a little bit, talking about birds. He's just dropping some knowledge on me. I'm looking forward to uh, talking to him some more about, uh, about raptors and shit. So... Man, that's it, man. It's a firearm Friday. It's uh it's a falconeer Friday. Uh I'ma get up out of here, man. Everybody be cool. Check on a vet and Ooh. hug your loved ones. Real hood in here. Ooh. Chip. Ooh. Static and all. I wrote a poem today. Straight out the basement. Recognize I'm not a fucking rapper. Oh, yeah. I'm a husband and a father and a bastard. All right. I got a brother that I never met. He passed away. His DNA, it lives in me. I hold that nigga up today. Hold up. This life a real motherfucker. Uh-huh. Phone disconnected at my grandfather's. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I zipped him in that body bag. That really fucking happened. Gee, I know that's really fucking sad. What the fuck? But I'm up from the trailer park. Please excuse the blunt to spark and tell me how'd you fucking start. Black and white boy in a black and white world. And I'm never mixed up, nigga. Fuck what y'all heard. Fuck what you talking about. Nigga, fuck what y'all heard. I'm in my own lane. Never mind how I swerve. I really kind of glide with a pop in my curl. I'm a family man first, so you better heed the word. Family man, family man, I'm a gangster. What up, though? Family man, family man, I'm a gangster. Family man, family man, but I'm a gangster. Tell me who you fucking with and tell me what you think. What up, though?